0: You're listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Rootbound is sponsored by water. What's got two H's and
1: one O? Oh, it's water!
0: Thanks again for listening to another episode of Rootbound. I'm your host, Steve. So I was thinking that it's been a little while since we've done any botanical vocabulary at the top of the show here, so today I want to talk about two words that are related to each other. That is monocot and dicot. So let's talk about what these words mean. Uh, They are both actually abbreviations, um, because that ending word cot is an abbreviation of a word called cotyledon. So they're actually monocotyledon or dicotyledon. And so let's talk about what a cotyledon is first before we define monocotyledon and dicotyledon because obviously one is the one cotyledon and one is two cotyledon. So a cotyledon is an embryonic leaf. So that is a leaf that is within the seed of of a plant. And um, if you have a monocotyledon, that means there's only one embryonic seed embryonic leaf in the seed, and if you have a dicotyledon, there's two embryonic leaves in the seed. And monocotyledon and dicotyledon get shortened to monocot and dicot. So let's think about what that means. If you ever think about a bean sprout, for example, when the, when the seed first sprouts, there's always two little leaves that, that come up with it. That makes it a dicot. But if you think of something like grass or corn, when those come up from the seed, There's only one little straight leaf, and that makes them monocots. There's a bunch of other ways to tell the difference between these two classifications of flowering plants, but the one I found most interesting that I just learned recently has to do with the flowers of each plant. A monocot will have flowers whose petals are in multiples of three, whereas a dicot's petals will be in multiples of four or five. So I thought that was pretty interesting. One more little tidbit is that most trees are dicots, except for palm trees, which are monocots. So that's dicots versus monocots, and now it's time to meet our guest. With the advent of the spring rains, the root system, fine and well-branched, quickly absorbs the water, and the grass grows rapidly.
1: Hi, Winting. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good. Do you have a plant to share with us?
1: I sure do. Uh, Great. Today, the plant I'm going to share is actually called sataria.
0: Sataria. Yes. I've never heard of this plant.
1: It's actually a species of many plants, and this is just a general name, I reckon. And uh, usually the com- much, much more like well-known name for this is Foxtail. In foxtail. The- in- in the english-speaking world world and in china we call it um like dog tail so it's kind of had similarity so you kind of get idea of how it actually looks it's just a tail like furry kind of little plant interesting okay
0: so see this is where i'm going to interrupt you a few times if that's okay Uh, so foxtail i think i've heard of that but i can't i can't picture what the plant looks like in my mind um and I so, think it's a plant that 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 I should know, but I guess I don't. Could you <laughs> describe it a bit more?
1: You probably seen it somewhere, but this this te- it's like a type of like grass or weed you call it, and it usually um, grows on some deserted parking lot or tr- like abandoned tree track. It's not something like uh, like uh, you would see on a garden or anything, because usually okay. there's some grass you want to eliminate, and usually like. Um, and it shows up on, like, vacant lots, sidewalks, and railroads, and lawns. And, um, yeah, it's very common. If you like to go go to these kind of places, you will see them. <laughs> um, yeah, usually you probably, probably see them on the sidewalks.
0: Okay, cool. I'm, I'm actually going to be live Googling it now so I can get the image in my brain here. <laughs> but, yeah, please yeah. carry on. Tell me some fun facts and uh, stuff about Foxtail.
1: Yeah, so um, Foxtail is... Um, um, I'm gonna start with a little bit of technical side so I describe a little so people get it what it what it actually looks like uh, so this is an annual grass with um, and uh, it grows it can grow grow up to a meter long and known to reach to two meters or more at times. The leaf blades are up to about 40 centimeters long and about 2.5 centimeters wide and. Um, it's um it's a dense compact compact and uh, spike like panicle up to 20 meters long and growing erect or sometimes nodding at the tip only so it's okay pinnacle.
0: yeah i'm i'm looking at it now and your description i've totally seen plants like this um yes absolutely
1: yeah it's um, it's not not much to it on on the technical side, um, cause um, I think um, th- that's also part of the reason why I love it, it. is it's such a strong plant, and it doesn't require too much from the environment. It grows almost like whenever the it grows, it um it favors a warm or moist uh, environment to grow, and um, it's a really fun, it's actually a really fun plant when it, for me when I was growing up as a kid. Um, so when we were a kid, we would usually go seek them and you collect them as a bunch. It becomes a really nice little bouquet of grass. And it's furry, you, you use it like rub on your face, it's really soft, like, you know, a kitty's tail almost. It's really fun. And, um, and it also has a really interesting uh, story, like, I don't know if, how do you say this in English, if there's a better word, but you know, each flower has a lang- has a meaning. Like a rose represents love and like mm. you know, all those things. So this one represents like un unrequited love or oh or, interesting. And also like an uneasy pursuit of a love interest. And um it also represents strength and um and it, it is it's represents like like, how much you're willing to commit to something, so to me, growing up, this is also, like, a a huge representation of my own personality, I identify with this grass very much myself, because I don't consider myself as, like, or, like, you know, as just, like, you know, really extrovert, and, like, uh, beautiful plant or such like rose or recognizable i i don't i don't ever see myself that way and like this grass really draws my attention is how easily it can be found and how tough it can it just grows everywhere and um yeah and what it represents in my culture, which is like really interesting to me and also it was uh documented in this like chinese herb herbology book, the old one from like fifteen seventy and chinese like written by li shizhen like it's the chinese ming dynasty is and um, bear with me this is a complex complicated word for me to pronounce um it's called com- compendium of materia medica this is like a book a uh, of- uh-huh. thousand years ago and um
0: compendium um, of materia medica
1: yeah that's the one
0: I've heard of that before. Yes.
1: Yes, I always bite my time I
0: don't know much about it though. Who and who wrote that?
1: It's this person called Li Shu Jin. It's a very famous like uh, like people who have a tremendous amount of knowledge about Earth. Uh huh. <laughs> like <a> cool. Word. <laughs>
0: Li Shu Jin. Did I yep. pronounce it okay?
1: Yep, that's you got it right. Cool. Yeah. And, um, so it also has a herbal like function to it. Usually, um, people use a trait with like inflammation or, um, and use it, have tenure on, on face or like your body, like a rash on your, mm-hmm, face. Mm-hmm. and, uh, it helps with your, uh, help with your eyesight problem. And so that's the kind of like feel known function that like the book was recorded to use that this grass for
0: and um so i'm I'm always interested in in like um you know herbal remedies and is this you know there's a lot of herbal remedies you read about plants where it's like well this it's for this and it's for this and it's for this and then most people like you know at least in like everyday society have never like used it for that do you have any experience of this plant like you like using it in any kind of way or is it something it's more like reading about the history of it
1: So, like, the most common use, like, for us, if you have, like, a rash or, like, something on your face or your skin, you just use the plant, you rub it on your face, and it takes away the rash and helps with it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you can also, like use the whole plant, including the, the tail, the top part, and also the stem and leaf. The whole plant can be used as a herbal medicine, like use it as tea. And then you can drink it to help like with your inflammation. And also it helps with like your, uh, like, uh, how do I like the, urine system if you have some problem uh-huh. urining and that will help you to have a smoother urine <laughs> oh yeah yeah good
0: yeah that's yeah, good to that's know
1: feel common use that i know about this plant and i think the most thing i think the most fascinating about is like like the way um, this plant represents a spirit of a human like you know given a tough condition you can still grow despite of whatever the condition is and also uh the strengths what this plant brings and it's also really beautiful you can use it to like the stem is really long and thin it can easily be woven into a crown or like as a decoration and uh, it's really fun and uh, usually when i was younger and when you find a field of like uh of this uh, foxtail grass is uh is indication where easily that's, that that would be a field you can catch a lot of dragonflies so we oh. look for them and like if we can't find a big empty lot of this grass that means we can have a very high chance of catch some dragonflies
0: <laughs> cool that's very cool um and then and then you said you can also see it you know in, in the united states is it something that you have seen here i mean you live in new york city have you seen it like in this st- in the streets or, or is it, is it something that you've come across um over here
1: new york i think because i felt like here a lot of like the urban like um veg- vegetation is usually like designed or like maintained in a certain way and this this a foxtail grass usually i think is a considered weed people don't usually want them but the fun thing is they're not invasive plants they're actually being studied for their um they're like genetic coding to demonstrate um, this thing. I looked up is called a monocot. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's. Uh, I'm saying it right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, monocot. I think that's how you pronounce it. That that's like the grass family. Yeah, the, Or monocots. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah so it's uh, it's genus is being studied for for this. Uh, it's actually used as this. Uh, uh, it's like a. Uh, it's like a hmm it's a vegetable that can feed the environment rather than Mm. invasive like species that destroys the ecosystem or like very invasive for the, for the existing ecosystem. So it's actually not to me. That's just like describes is like, like the plant's personality is very neutral, very strong, but useful if you, if you're willing to like discover it. And, um, but usually most commonly oversighted, like discarded, no one really cares about it.
0: <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. Uh, I mean, that's really kind of a theme on, on this show so far has been this idea of weeds that, you know, the idea of a weed is really mostly just means a misunderstanding that, you know, we don't get the plant, you know, um. And this is a weed that you know i've <laughs> I've been actually really fascinated with all the weeds in my yard and or, and around here but this is one I didn't know about so yeah thank you for sharing about that um one one question I have is you mentioned how like you you identify your personality with this plant when when did you first have that feeling and like when did you oh be like oh I, I identify with that plant when can you like take me back to that moment
1: it was almost like like you know immediately right after like I solved this plan almost like I were just so fascinated by how furry it is it's so cute I love furry things and um, and then when I saw when I learned about it a little bit and it just to me that's how I see myself I don't like to be noticeable I don't really I mean it's like I do like attention but I, I'd rather to be the background person most of the time and this plan is just not in your face I and mean, you can easily find it anywhere and it can be useful like when we we're a little kid the stem you can use it as partially a toothpick if you want if you spill it up you can like make it like a you know a dental floss from it <laughs> it's a lot of use to it and you if you want to you can also make it into something beautiful to wear you can make a little bouquet put behind your ear and you can make a little crown and to me that's just how i see myself i want to be uh, noticeable and noticeable, and useful and not invasive, and uh, it's something you would only see if you want to look for it. Otherwise, you would just you know overlook because there are so many other beautiful plants around. Around and yeah, that's how I how I identify myself. I guess it makes me feel comfortable. It's not feeling that I'm like it's not coming from the angle. I feel worth worthless. Not really. I felt like. That's kind of like, you know, why I'm into weeds as well, like all kinds of weeds. It's just they're there and they all have their own personality. They all have their own usefulness to the ecosystem. And uh, yeah, that's what I like to be. (laughs) A child said,
0: what is the grass? Fetching it to me with full hands. How could I answer the child? I do not know what it is any more than he. Thanks, Winting, for sharing about foxtail. That was very interesting. Do you mind if I share a plant with you?
1: Of course. I'd love to hear it.
0: Oh, great. So, you know, I've, I've, have, I've had a wide variety of plants so far. And I think one theme of the show is they're all, well, some of them have been pretty common. What I'm trying to say is that this is a really common plant I chose this time. But I'm trying to, like, you know, pick a common plant and then see what other kind of interesting things I can find about it. And so this plant, why, why it's meaningful to me is because I'm growing in my garden. And it's also probably one of my favorite herbs, uh, and the, the plant is thyme, which is a great herb, and and I really like it. One, I like the taste. Also, it's really easy to like get the leaves off. Some some herbs are not, but you can just like kind of like you know pinch it and like stroke all the little um the little uh leaves off. And so that's that's why I like it. And I've been growing my garden for a few years, and I. Uh, I've been using a lot, so it's a really nice plant. But I realized I don't really know anything about it at all. I just know that it's an herb. I know that like there's um in, you know it's like in that old folk song: parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. It's always mixed with other herbs too. They always talk about it amongst those other ones. So anyway, I did a little bit of research and I found some super fascinating things. The first thing was is I I I try not to dislike read straight from Wikipedia, and so I try, I condense this down. But the the first paragraph of Wikipedia on thyme talks about how it was used. So it's from the Mediterranean. It talks about how it was used across a bunch of different Mediterranean cultures over time. And it's a wide variety. So it was used as incense. It was used to flavor cheese and liqueurs. It was it was thought to be a source of courage. It was used to purify rooms. It was used to aid sleep and ward off nightmares. And it was placed on coffins. And also, apparently, the ancient Egyptians used it during the embalming process. And I didn't know that time was that versatile. Um... Have you cooked with thyme very much before?
1: You know what? The- I haven't. I grew up in China and like there's not some, like we don't use a lot of fresh herbs. So like, usually mm-hmm. I and ground it into powder form. I don't really recognize a lot of it, but I've seen a lot of it in American cooking, like such like, you know, like baking, like a thing for like stew. And like mm-hmm. with that bird, famous bird, American love so much turkey. There's a, always
0: there's a <laughs> beautiful
1: decoration <laughs> of thyme around it.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you know, I think that makes sense because it is from the Mediterranean area, and it really became this herb well-known in the Mediterranean area. It's really well-known in French cuisine and also in Italian cuisine. Um, but I didn't know it had so many different uses over time. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, its Latin name is Timus vulgaris which sounds interesting, vulgar, but vulgar in Latin apparently just means common. So it just means common time. There are some other kinds of time. And then I tried to read about what that that first part timus means because you have some of these, you have some plants with Latin names where they don't sound anything like the name that they're called. But this one, its Latin name is timus, time is timus, and it's like they just like, what do we call it? Oh, just put a U.S. and make it sound Latin. But um, I... I was trying to figure out where what's the etymology of thymus, like where did it come from? And there was one reference that maybe there was a Greek word th- that sounded like that that also meant to smoke or burn, and so maybe it's used as an incense is where they got the name thyme. But then there was one other author, which I don't have the name written down, like an etymologist who said that the name is very likely a pre-Greek name, like the name comes from before the Greeks and it's just the name of the plant. And we don't really maybe have any reason why it was called Thyme, but that name has stuck around for a very long time. So I thought that was pretty interesting. It is. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's an evergreen plant. So I, I, I like that. It, it uh, it you know, stays green all winter and I still have some out in my yard. It's died back quite a bit, but I can still pick a few, uh, few leaves if I need to. And also I really like perennial plants. You know, when I'm gardening, I don't like have to plant seeds every year. So a plant that sticks around all the mm. time is super cool mm. to me. And it's also perennial. Um, and then, and then one of the most interesting things about thyme is, is it, it's been used for a lot of, um, like antibacterial or disinfectant or other processes like that. And that's because one of the major components of the essential oil is something that they called thymol, which is a chemical, um, I'm going to try to pronounce the chemical name now, which is 2-isopropyl-5-methylphenol. And that is an element in thyme that has all these really great antiseptic, antibacterial, and disinfectant pop- properties. And I, I I read a list of all these different things. It's actually used for industrial, for cleaning. I read that it was used as like a disinfectant inside anesthetic gas sometimes. Um, and and then I was like, oh, well, the, the Egyptians used it for embalming. So like they really knew what was going on because if you want to make sure someone's embalmed, you got to make sure that there's no fungal growth or bacterial growth. And so that use is really like goes back to it's like super original use. And now we're using it all the time in actual like cleaning products. Um, and that brings me to um, probably the, well, maybe the main reason I chose it actually kind of, re- I chose time and then I remembered, Oh yeah, there's this key thing uh, about me that, that links to time is that I'm a beekeeper. Yeah. You might've known that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, one of the major threats to bees is a pest called the varroa mite. It's a it's a little tiny bug, and the way that it uh, affects bees is that when the larva is growing, it it grows in there, and it and then when the larva hatches, the the little mites come out, and then they attach themselves to bees, and they basically suck the bees' blood, which is like more like some other substance, and then in that process, they end up passing viruses and things to the bees, and and it can really destroy a hive really easily. Um, and there's all these different methods and people are trying to figure out ways to get rid of infestations of this varroa mite and it really is the bane of the beekeeper um and a lot of them can be really harsh to the bees and some of them are like pharmaceuticals so it's like are you are you like gonna like you know it's like the, that uh antibiotic effect if you're treating it with this pharmaceutical now are you just gonna like make stronger mites later that are more resistant and so there's a lot of like you know talk about what the best method is but one of the newer methods and the least um, the least invasive method is is these things called uh, time. I think they're called time quick strips. I forget the name, but anyway, it's these little strips that are impregnated with this time oil that you you slip in the hive, and then when the the summer sun hits the hive, it evaporates the time oil, and the time oil is uh it is strong enough to kill the mites, but to not bother the bees. At least that's the theory. I haven't used it yet. I've been actually meaning to use this product for a while, but it's one that's been very interesting because it's not as, it's not as like harsh as some of the other methods for controlling mites. And so, you know, this this plant time has all sorts of uses. And then and then maybe the final thing about time that I like is that it just is r- rife with puns. You know, <laughs> it sounds like the word time like the clock. And so when I was googling time. I was looking for the history in time and there was so many people like, like probably 10 different blog posts that were called a brief history of time, which is like a reference to the, to the Stephen Hawking book, which was about time itself, but it was like the plant or, or, you know, because time is, um, is used as a disinfectant. You know, the, the phrase time heals all wounds is actually very, very, very relevant. And, uh, you know, there's, there's just lots of fun things about talking about time as a pun. And I like puns. So, um, that's what I have to say about time.
1: That's awesome. Mm -hmm a question actually would you burn time like would that have the same disinfecting like function as vape, vape like the vaporization of the oil
0: it, that's an interesting question i mean i know people use time as an incense and, and and the greeks and romans used it as an incense and so it might have some some of those more like uh like qualities just for like the way you breathe it and the way it makes you feel perhaps whether whether you would get whether you would get um, any of the, like, whether those, like, effects of burning the time would, like, help bees or, or anything like that. I'm not sure. That's a good question. I, it put, potentially that that, that com- chemical might burn away as well instead of it, like, evaporating. Um, but, yeah, I, I should try it as an incense. I never actually thought about that till I read about about the Greeks using it. And, um, and And they believed by burning the incense that it was a source of courage, which I thought was very interesting. So if you need courage burn some time. Yeah,
1: I that's why I felt when you were describing the time I, at the beginning, I was like, wait, this is sounding a lot like sage for some reason. And you know, like a lot of people burn sage as they're like cleaning the bad spirit away in like in the in that realm. I was like wondering if this is can be the similar kind of like line of product where you can use to clean your house, clean your spirit and also like you say, like you wanna burn it for courage. That's that's an awesome thing.
0: Yeah, I absolutely. All um, time, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, very good. Cool. Well, you have any other questions about time? Anything else you have to th- th- say about time? That's
1: it so far. You've opened all the doors for me to like, you know, learn more about this plant. Actually, I, I never thought. Like, usually to me, it's just like, oh, this is a beautiful. Like sidekick of any main entree. Now it's just like, wow, it has so many like so many cool functions.
0: Yeah, and and it, yeah, and I think. It's like oh yeah it's always lumped in with all right? these other herbs. But right? no give time it's it's credit time is cool. Um and so yeah, yeah time.
1: Beautiful plant.
0: That herb of courage is always on your side. This song, Time is on My Side, was of course made popular by the Rolling Stones. But this version we're hearing now is actually the very first version ever recorded. It was written by the songwriter Jerry Ragavoy, but this was recorded by the trombonist Kai Winding. But his background vocalists you're hearing now were made up of a very famous group of women, including Sissy Houston, that's Whitney Houston's mom, dionne Warwick, and Dee Dee Warwick. I've never read The Prisoner by Marshall Proust, but I have recently become aware of a quotation from that book, which I'd like to share with you now, if that's okay. Um, That quote says as follows, A pair of wings, a different respiratory system, which enabled us to travel through space, would in no way help us, for if we visited Mars or Venus while keeping the same senses, they would clothe everything we could see in the same aspect as the things of Earth. The only true voyage, the only bath in the Fountain of Youth would be not to visit strange lands, but to possess other eyes, to see the universe through the eyes of another, of a hundred others, to see the hundred universes that each of them sees, that each of them is, and this we do with great artists. With artists like these, we really do fly from star to star. That quote has been later uh, much abridged to, The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And, in the book, as I understand it, he's talking about how artists and art can can show us new worlds and give us new eyes and let us see through the eyes of the artists. But I believe that it's not just art that can do that, but it's you know having conversations with people. And that's something that I hope this podcast can do for you. It definitely does it for me. And in this case, uh, Win Ting, let me borrow her eyes. And now I have new eyes for the plant, Foxtail. This is a plant that I never really noticed before. It was invisible to me, but now after hearing Win Ting talk about foxtail and why it's important to her, I'm now seeing it everywhere. And it's, you know, it's, it's really kind of this amazing experience to see this plant just uh, everywhere I look now. Um, And I definitely have new eyes for this plant. So I hope that maybe you can have that experience with this podcast. And if you have had that experience, feel free to send me a message, rootboundpodcast at gmail.com. Before we go, there's just a couple other little notes about foxtail. One, if you're trying to Google it to see what it looks like, there's a couple other plants with that common name foxtail. So if you want to find this one, Google that genus that Wen Ting mentioned at the beginning of the show, which is Ceteria. That's S-E-T-A-R-I-A. Another little thing that I learned while Googling about foxtail is, I guess it can be a little bit dangerous for dogs. Sometimes the little seeds that come out of foxtail can get in a dog's eye or in their ear and can be, you know, painful and cause, cause some inflammation. So if you have a dog, maybe try to keep them away from foxtail, um... And one last little thing is I, I neglected to ask Wen Ting how you say foxtail in Chinese. So here's a little voice memo from Wen Ting to take us out.
1: There are two ways to say foxtail in Chinese. First one is meaning dog-tail grass. The second one is it means furry, furry dog.
0: My guest on today's episode of Rootbound was Wen Ting Gu. Wen Ting is a still life photographer in New York City. Rootbound is hosted by Steve Ellington, that's me. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants when you're stuck inside. But if you can go outside, try to look at the world with new eyes. And if you feel like it, send me a message. Tell me what you see.
1: Oh, it's water.